0: and what it's like to have your whole life turned upside down, and the unexpected challenges that come with a life saving drug. You can listen to Breathless now, wherever you get your podcasts.
1: Hold up.
0: My baby.
3: Hello, my love.
0: Uh, this week we are going back to the old format with a little bit of foreplay before we throw to our conversation.
3: Warming it up.
0: We're going war- to butter all these ears up. <laughs> butter lube up these ears.
3: Uh, have you ever used butter as a lube of any kind?
4: Like for Whether- fucking?
3: For fucking or for getting your, you know, your, your arm out of the staircase banister when it's you I've put used it butter for
0: lube to get a ring off, oh yeah, um I've never used butter for my penis,
3: no, it I' bet be, you'd be nice though would I wonder if the like would be nice for a hand job, maybe yeah butter w- would it be melted already, or would you put it on sort of at what at what state of being would you put the butter on your
0: penis? It needs to be butter that's been sitting out, not in the fridge,
3: right. But not on a hot summer day sitting out where it's like cooling. No, 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 no.
0: no, you don't want that.
3: Um, I don't think I would put it in my vagina, but I feel like maybe on the back end things might be fun. Let's look it up. Like um, a little food porn.
0: Seven th- ways people use food during sex that you never should.
3: Oh, well.
0: Don't put grapes in your vagina. That's the subheader of this article.
3: I mean, why would you? But it can't be that hard to get them out.
0: Uh, If you're bringing food into the bedroom, you want to avoid any sweet spreads or sauces.
3: Yes, definitely nothing like that.
0: When it comes to the vagina, uh, Hilda Hutcherson, MD, professor of obstetrics and gynecology, has seen, quote, all kinds of things put up there. Her rule of thumb that is if anything you put in, you should be able to completely remove intact. Uh, but some of the most intriguing foods to use yeah. during sex don't fall into that category. Think jelly, honey, peanut butter, etc. Hutcherson has even seen patients whose partners insert the nozzle of a whipped cream can into the vagina and then let loose.
3: Don't... Vagina owners, don't ever, <laughs> ever let anyone do that.
0: Yeah. Uh, fruits and vegetables... Um,
3: could See
0: that, yeah, easily. The first, there's that whole what goes in must come out issue, which can be a problem, especially with smaller produce. The sphincter around the anus and vagina can involuntarily contract, yeah, uh, which makes whatever going in there hard to get out. Um, I don't know what it is about grapes, but I've seen lots of them, says Hutchinson.
3: <laughs> well, they're a common bedside, um, fruit, uh, I think.
0: sure. Also, you've got that like kind of sensual, like. Uh, a bunch of grapes. That's what You know, I mean. being like low. Yeah, right. Yeah. Right, right. Yeah. Um, uh, number four, three, anything spicy? No. I mean, that's just, that's a fucking game.
3: Although didn't. there is the old, uh, the old uh, butt plug, the ginger put- butt plug. Ginger root butt oh, plug. Yeah. Remember ginger that? Oh, yeah, ginger
0: root butt plug. That, yeah, it's that
3: bit, was that, a bit spicy.
0: That was a long time ago we talked about that. Uh, anything either of you are allergic to? Duh. Oily foods or oil itself? Oil can degrade latex, which is a problem for using yeah. condoms or dental dams. Alcohol. Well I mean you don't want you don't want alcohol up your hoo ha or up your bum hole. Um I haven't seen a single thing about butter though. Oh wait, uh, here we go. Oh no, it just that's just peanut butter.
3: Oh um, Oh wait,
0: wait, wait. Oh no, again peanut butter.
3: I don't know if I'd do butter, but I might do ghee. <laughs> I might do like clean clarified butter.
0: Yeah. How did we get onto this?
3: Um, we're buttering up oh, we're our but, audience for the. Oh, yeah. We're up. And uh, hanging yeah. out with our patrons. Hanging over... out with their patrons.
0: Patreon.com slash Germanon <laughs> if you want to watch the foreplay or aftercare segments of our show. Thanks to all of our patrons that have supported us so mm-hmm. far. Um, so we have, speaking of patrons, we have, uh, we had a patron that not only submitted a, uh, a brain boner, which we haven't, uh, we haven't done a brain boner in a little while. Actually, we did one last week. What am I talking about? Um, but we had a patron submit a brain boner via audio. I love that. Yeah. So here I'll, uh, I'll kick it off with the first little piece of the audio.
4: Hey, Bridie and Jeremy, because this is for both of you. Um, I'm Rianne. I'm one of your turn me on podcast patrons. And I just I don't know. I felt recently like I just want to throw some love at you guys because um, I really love you. I just felt like I wanted to say how much the podcast has changed my life and how much I appreciate both of you. I kind of had been dabbling in polyamory for a few years, but I hadn't really kind of, I hadn't really figured out what I was doing and what I wanted. And, you know, in tandem with therapy, it was just like, there was a lot going on. Um, and I, what I'm realizing now is that I just, I just didn't have language for it. I, I mean, I'm British, so, you know, we're super, super prudy about everything. And I didn't have, I didn't have anyone modeling, just talking openly about sex, about relationships, about anything other than the norm. Yeah, you know, even things like masturbation and kind of, you know, like it's completely changed my relationship with my own body, with sex with sex with myself with oh, I just yeah I and you know when you're like I just I want everyone else to have that um but it's really hard because everyone just thinks I'm really weird which is fine because I am kind of but yeah I also have a question for you but I'm gonna save that I'm gonna record that separately because um just in case you want to answer it on the pod and if not that's also fine but then you don't have to um include all of this uh long <laughs> spiel. Which you could also include because it's just me loving on you guys, but anyway. Um so yeah, thanks for being awesome and um I'm so so happy to support you because you've changed everything for me. And I love you pretty unconditionally for that.
0: <laughs> All right, so that was a uh, that was that there was no question there,
3: but there was just
0: <laughs> a lot of love.
3: And we wanted to share that too with you because uh Ryan has a beautiful audio voice <laughs> really
0: yeah really there's there's something very sexy about the um the british accent mm. when it's spoken in a very like i mean i you know it doesn't sound like rion is speaking in rp but I bet
4: you right, that's be really what we good know about it. the british accent
0: yeah, i bet you should be good at it. uh so here's here's uh rion's first so two-part question okay here's part one
4: so my question is um was two things actually the first thing is about how do you conceptualize your marriage? Like, what, is it, what does it mean to you? Because there are so many... Um, I feel like in a, you know, monogamous heteronormative framework, there are, so, like, certain criteria of, you know, in terms of defining different types of relationships. So, like, this kind of relationship is a friendship and this is an acquaintance and this is a romantic relationship and this is a marriage and whatever. Um, and I guess like, how do you navigate those things, um, in your own heads and with each other? So that's my first, that's the first part of the question. Go ahead. That's
3: such a big question. Um, how do you conceptualize your marriage? Um, I feel like I could talk about this for a really long time. So I just this could be a to... long, yeah.
0: This could be a, a long thing. Yeah, yeah. <laughs>
3: this
0: could be a long. Uh,
3: <laughs> we'll be right along. Um. Okay. So in my own head, um, this is something I actually would say that I think about fairly frequently because, um, you know, when Jeremy and I got married, when we got married, babe, we. It was like, you know, I pretty traditional in the way that um, we, there was not a lot of we didn't have any older mentors being like, here's things you should talk about. This is what marriage means, and yeah. here are the things that you should know, and like none of that. Everyone's just like, yeah, you're engaged. Yeah, yeah.
0: I mean, it, well, it, we we kind of we kind of touched on that in our conversation with JP. Yeah. Um, the lawyer. That's right. I mean, we just, we didn't, we didn't have any of the conversations going into it.
3: And I don't think a lot of people do. No. I think it is just that, that moment of like, yeah. we're doing the thing. And, and as someone who generally considers himself to be sort of likes to like live outside the box in major quotation marks, because my outside of the box is still relatively pretty inside the box. But, you know, I, it's almost kind of astounding to me that, that that kind of happened that we got yeah. like swept up into that i didn't consider that as like something that you really take your time with to consider that being said I, I would i wouldn't have made a different choice not not that i can imagine anyway um now now it constantly feels like uncharted territory and sometimes i would say that i um worry that uh we've we we might stray so far from the norm that other people's critiques of like well why are you married might start to like infiltrate or get in the way but i was just this just occurred to me actually yesterday and i wasn't even thinking about answering this question but um when i was thinking about like what is it to life partner with someone like when I think of you Jeremy it's like I feel like at any time I can like reach out my hand and hold yours like I can reach out my hand and you're there as I'm like as I'm moving forward as a human being on my own life path yeah you know and like no matter what direction I'm going in or um whatever, like I can, I know that you've got my back and I've got your back and yeah, if I, if I need you or I feel lost or, you know, I have anything, you know, important and big or small and light to process that you're there, that like it's different than, um, it's different than like my long-term friendships in that I feel like my vow and my responsibility and my loyalty to you is to, to continue to be there, to, to have your back all the time mm. and to be in regular um, circulation in your very busy life, to, like, to be a present person. Um, to like witness your life and have you witness mine.
0: Yeah. I think what you're trying to say is I'll be there for you when the rain starts to pour. Mm. I'll be there for you. Cause I've been there before. Like I've been there before. Uh-huh. Right. I'll be there for you. Cause you're there for me too. Yeah. <laughs> I could think that's
3: my answer. And now I wasn't actually trying to say that. I feel like. Pretty, I stand by my words.
0: It's like you're always stuck in second gear <laughs> when it hasn't been your day, your week, your month, or even your year. But I'll be there for you. Um, yeah. I. What was the question again?
3: Uh, how do you contextualize your marriage in your own mind?
0: Yeah, I don't. I mean, I. I think uh, uh everything you said makes a lot of sense to me.
3: I don't really think I don't. Wow. I, that's very similar to when we wrote our vows. Yeah. Yeah.
0: Okay. Fuck off. <laughs> uh, I don't really think about it. Really. Like I. I do, but I don't. I. I don't very much. Mm-hmm. It just. It's one of those things where, like, you know. You know, I'm trying to think of a metaphor here. Or, or a comparison, but it's like our relationship is. Is. Like something that you cannot explain yet you fully understand
4: mm.
0: and that's how it feels for me it's one of those things where i know in my gut the feeling and the and the the quality and the the like the smell and the taste <laughs> and the feel of it all mm. but i can't explain it it's like it's like it, it's like acid it's like taking acid
3: Mm.
0: you've never done acid you'll never fucking know and it doesn't matter how hard i try to explain to you the experience of doing acid Mm -hmm. you'll never know it until you've been in it and that's kind of the same as our relationship i can't i can't i just know because i'm i'm in it like so i don't Mm -hmm. i don't try to contextualize it in a way where i try to make sense of it i'm in it i'm in it Mm -hmm. i don't have to contextualize it it just makes sense to me When I start to, when I start to get questioned about it, this is where the second question from uh, Ray is is going to be going. But when I start to get questioned about it Mm -hmm. from outside influences, Mm -hmm. I find myself getting like, I it it frustrates me, right? Because I'm like, I look, I like, (laughs) I just can't, I just can't. (laughs) To give you the words that you that you other person are seeking mm. in order to to fucking yeah. rationalize and 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 conceptualize what the fuck is mm-hmm. is our relationship because although we are no we are not unique mm-hmm. our relationship very much is its own thing mm-hmm. I'm sure there's lots of other people that have a relationship like ours that is very similar, but like our relationship does not fit in any kind of box.
3: It's hard to compare.
0: It's hard to compare. And so,
3: mm-hmm.
0: you know, I, I'm sure if I was much more poetic and eloquent with words, I would have a way to communicate those types of things. But I just don't. I don't, I don't have it. I don't have it in me. And the fact that I feel it and I know what it feels like, I don't, have, I don't fucking have to. I don't mm-hmm. have to for anybody because <laughs> I, I know how it feels. Is there a second I I, part of this question? There is. There's a second part.
4: So here's love, the second part. Okay. And the second part of the question is how the hell do you communicate that to other people? And I don't just mean, obviously you do that like on the podcast all the time, but like, how do you do that You know, with the people in your life, your friends, your family? Um, um And the reason I'm, I'm really asking this question is because it's something that I'm struggling with um, in terms of you know, I, so I think I'm practicing something that is closer to relationship anarchy than maybe other structures of poly. Um, but of course, no one fucking knows what that is, right? So, um, uh, trying to explain that, you know, some of the most important relationships in my life are not sexual, but are intensely romantic and intimate. um, (laughs) I just, I just don't have language for it. and what I end up what I end up coming out of conversations with with friends, particularly and family, is that they it, I feel invalidated. I feel like maybe I'm just very confused, which is not true because I know exactly I know exa- on like a feeling level. I know exactly yeah. what yeah. those relationships are. Yeah and I know why they're important and I know that they're exactly what they're supposed to be at this time. Because they're also incredibly fluid and I know that they, you know, evolve and change and and I love that. Um, but I just don't know how to talk about it. And I don't know how to get people to, I, I guess in a, in a sense it's about getting others to take those relationships seriously. Because I feel like, I feel like in their heads they're just going, that's just a friendship. Like as if I'm kind of have some delusion about what the relationship is. So that's kind of the place that my question is coming from. Um, And also just, you know, intense curiosity because I love listening to you two talk about your relationship. Um, So yeah, if that's something that you wanted to speak to, um, I would just love to hear it.
0: Yeah. So, okay. So this is perfect. When I do try to communicate it, I'll use this as an example, right? Like me and Leah, for example. Mm -hmm. Leah's not polyamorous and never has been. We get into a relationship. She's trying to conceptualize what the fuck's going on between Mm -hmm. you and me. Mm -hmm. Where does she fit in all this? Where do you fit in all this? Mm -hmm. And those conversations that we have about this, which have been several, always end up with me basically trying to express, okay, here are here are like the, the, um, here are the, the tangibles in this, which are my, my wife by def like by technicality, my wife legally is you, mm-hmm. is Bridie. Mm-hmm. But that does not look like what most other people would say their wife looks like. Mm -hmm. In the way that their relationship works. And so here are the things that are a part of your and I relationship Mm -hmm. that are consistent and will remain the same. Mm -hmm. Things like finances, things like um, work, things like uh, uh, our our friendship, things like uh, intimacy here are things that don't exist that oftentimes do exist within a marriage uh sexuality we're not sexual together we don't have a sexual relationship um a, like a domestic situation at least now right we we no longer live together um I'm like I guess you could even add in there like majority of like social time spent you know we don't like we 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 go to events we used to go to events and stuff like pre like bc mm-hmm. before covid yeah but like outside of that
3: different friend groups yeah different
0: friend groups for the most part and like <laughs> So, like, those are the things that I try to explain when I feel like, okay, I have to explain myself in this situation. But other than that, I don't fucking have to explain myself to fucking anyone. Mm. Because you just said it yourself there, Rhea. You feel it. You know what you feel. And you're going to have moments in your life where people are confused and they don't understand it and they don't get it because it doesn't line up. This doesn't fit the the box that they've learned to think and see all relationships through this lens. And when it doesn't line up with that lens, you might have questions that come your way that for sure may bring up feelings of discomfort for yourself because it makes you question whether or not you are normal or not. But those are the moments where you got to like, you got to decide. Are you sticking with your belief in what you feel? Or are you going to sway and question yourself? Like, what the fuck makes sense to you? But if it makes sense to you, it, do- it doesn't, doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. If it makes sense to you, it doesn't matter who else it makes sense for or doesn't.
3: Yeah, I think, too, the more you try to explain something, <coughs> the further away you get from actually describing it like the more words you try to use probably the more confusing it is for other people
0: but i do i would i want to bring up the so this this notion of relationship anarchy yeah and there's this uh there's this really great graphic called the relationship anarchy smorgasbord
3: oh i've heard of this so
0: it says form your relationship by picking and agreeing on which traits you want to share with your partner Mm -hmm. you can go big or small There's no wrong way to do it as long as you are agreeing together what you want and don't want in this relationship. Remember, you can always change it up later. Mm. And so it has like a list of these things that you can share in a relationship with someone. Okay. Right. So romantic, uh, chemical reaction, feelings of love. I would say we have that. Mm -hmm. Friendship, companionship, playfulness, shared activity, interest. Yeah. We have that. (laughs) Yeah. Domestic, sharing a dwelling or a home. We don't have that.
3: No. Although my home is always your home. Sure. I, I right. At home of course. Your home.
0: And yes. But we don't share home. No. <laughs> Sexual, involving genitals, anus, or orgasms. We do we not <laughs> share that. So we share romance. Yeah. But we don't share sex. Mm-hmm. Physical touch. Dance, sex, body contact, cuddles, hugs, pets, hand-holding, massage.
3: Less since COVID, because I don't want, but I like to pick your, if you ever stop letting me pick your blackheads, I'm going to be really bummed out.
0: Yeah. And you're, you know, and like, like, um,
3: I'll be your, your student. We don't, we don't like
0: cuddle, but we hug and we, Mm -hmm. and, and, you know, like you were working on me a massage the other day, like, like those types of things. So it's like the, you know, some things within physical touch, some things not, you know, again, it's like romantic, but not sexual, (laughs) but physical touch, but not. Say yeah. like it's okay. Uh, <laughs> life partner sharing goals, long term or life embracing change in each other. I would say one hundred percent. Yeah. Caregiver, giving care to receiving, to giving care to and receiving care from. We also have that. Co caregiver children animals plants family sick slash elderly. We, we used have, to we used to have Bigby. Yeah. We have the cat. I guess we I guess still we co care give co care give the cat.
3: Yeah. I would. Happily, you would take care of Donut any I, day. I would. And Rose, And maybe, I, Rose. <laughs> I would. I would take care of Rose. In your little tiny condo. Yeah, yeah, totally. <laughs> like a bowl on a china shop.
0: Emotional intimacy. Sharing and being vulnerable. Yeah. We do that. Emotional support. Listening, being asked for advice, confidant. Yeah. We have that. Social partners. Seen together, events, friends, family, work, social media. Sort of. You know, kind of.
3: I stopped going out at night. I think that that's was general, that's a big that, thing. That was way well before COVID.
0: That's a big well. thing. Financial sharing, money accounts, payments, yada yada. Kink, uh, power dynamics, uh, collaborative partners, and business partners. So again, it's like
3: we take a fair number of those boxes. We tick
0: a bunch that- of those boxes off. Yeah, <laughs> and Leah and I also take a bunch of those boxes off. Yeah, and there's a bunch of boxes that we don't take off. Yeah, again, Leah and I. We don't have a domestic partnership. We mm-hmm. we don't, we're not collaborative partners, at mm-hmm. least right now. Mm-hmm. You know, we're not business partners, mm-hmm. at least right now. Mm-hmm. We're not really financially bound.
3: How would you possibly, how would you? Pretty you? much
0: all the other ones were, were right. pretty like locked in on.
3: Yeah. You know? um, yeah. To other people, to like both your, And Rianne, the not knowing how to explain it to to people, not needing to explain it to people, and also not worrying about what other people are thinking, because you did bring that up, just the feeling like, oh, they're thinking this is just a friendship or this is what you'll never, ever, one, be able to know what someone is actually thinking, mm-hmm. but even if you're pretty sure about what someone else is thinking, you can't change what other people are thinking, and no amount of like explaining or justifying is going to change
4: that. Yeah,
0: and when you and when you really do start to let that go, fuck, it's a great feeling. You well, know, like I, I at this point in my life, I really could not give a single fuck about what. Anybody in my like in my close orbit thinks about my relationship status or statuses. Mm -hmm. I definitely don't think. I definitely don't give a fuck what anybody outside of my own social social circle thinks. Yeah, and I don't fucking care what my family thinks. And the family doesn't doesn't matter to me.
3: We'll always ask questions like, "Well, you know, what do you mean?" In the beginning, they might, you know, "What do you mean? What if you?" want kids what if and the answer just may be I don't know like you don't have to have those answers either that's the thing about anarchy or like making things up as you go you're going with the most information you have available to you at the moment which is generally what you feel think see hear taste smell and I think
0: the longer you kind of stick to your guns on that sort of thing the more the people that do surround that you do surround yourself with they just eventually go. Well, I don't fucking know, yeah. and then they just don't bring it up again. Or,
3: then there's a period you know? of awkward jokes, awkward jokes about it in your presence. Yeah. yeah. Um. Essentially, or, and then additionally other awkward moments that are not really awkward at all. Like your grandmother just, I, I think I brought Todd to one of your family things and yeah, just, right. just walked up to him and she was like, Oh, she's just giving him a hug. She goes, I don't know who you are. <laughs> <laughs> and it's fine. It's fine. Yeah, it's really funny. Yeah. Yeah. So, and like I, honestly, that, like
0: that time you brought Todd to my sisters and Hudson or one of the boys were like, <laughs> after we left, one of the boys went, that was really nice of Bridie to bring her dad. <laughs>
3: yeah Holy fuck <laughs> that was so good. Oh, it makes me laugh so hard uh, but there there's something else I wanted to, <laughs> to oh fuck there was another example I wanted to give. it was so silly mm. anyway, yeah, whatever they, they they'll they'll come around or they won't and 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 you'll be okay the less the less you have to describe it to, the more space there is for those relationships to evolve yeah. into whatever they need to become
0: yeah
3: and uh yeah, hopefully that helps.
0: Yeah, and and uh, you know, I hope I hope the answers that we just gave there don't come off as too dismissive because I get it. I get it's fucking hard. It's tough, but really, once you get over that hump and you really start to just not fucking care, because you don't have to explain anything to anyone, it gets a hell of a lot easier because you don't know you don't owe, you don't owe anyone a fucking explanation about who you like, who you don't like, who you love, who you sleep with.
3: Just tell them you're high maintenance and you're going to need a lot of people to look after you. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's what I that's what that's my joke, but I I honestly, you know, I met 35 34 new people this September in um my massage class and we'll be together for the next couple of years and i've been in these intense environments before where you, you start to kind of get to know everything about each other and not one of them knows anything about my relationship status yeah i constantly just refer to my partner my yeah. partner and this amalgamation of jeremy and dodd is a very like impressive human being yeah sounds say. like it yeah. he does a lot sounds of like shit do it all. he does yeah. it all yeah. he has like 48 hours in a day yeah Um. that's really funny isn't that funny but yeah. I just I just don't you know I just it's not all of a sudden it doesn't matter yeah I've become one of those people who doesn't talk about it yeah <laughs> whereas yeah. at the beginning it was like my time of being vegan and the classic joke is like they just talk about There's it all no, the time shut the fuck up exactly about I mean it. Yeah. we started a podcast about it yeah yeah right <laughs> We don't, t- um, we don't really talk about it with, with anybody, though.
0: Um, so anyway, I hope that uh, <laughs> answers your question. And, and thank you for sending that in. And folks, if you have any questions, uh, brain boners, or anything at all, uh, podcast at gmail.com. We love hearing from you. And of Indeed. course, that um, question was brought to you by a lovely patron of ours, patreon.com slash termion, if you want to be a part of our Patreon community. Uh, this week, we are throwing to an episode that we recorded actually a little while ago. Um, this is a recording with Zoe Mendelson, who is one of the authors of Pussypedia, a comprehensive guide, uh, which is a very, I mean, it's in the title of the book. It is a very comprehensive guide mm-hmm. all about pussies.
3: Um, and I believe, do you have it up there? Cause she, I believe she I was the singular author, but she worked in a very tight collaboration with her illustrator, who wasn't able to join us for the conversation. But.
0: Oh, I see. So Heather is the illustrator and what's her name? Uh, Heather Corina. Uh,
3: I, yeah, I believe so. Is that the other, only other name on the on the yeah. cover there? Yeah. yeah. So, um, so really well, um, illustrated. So it's like the encyclopedia you wish you had when you were, when you, I don't know, maybe hit puberty. Maybe that would have been a good time to get this book. I yeah. don't know. Um, and, uh, it's it's a pretty it's a pretty great little manual. Oh, I'm
0: sorry. Uh the illustrator was Maria uh Maria ah. Conejo.
3: Okay. Who is the other uh, uh
0: I don't know. It's just uh it's listed as one of the authors okay. on uh Okay. on um oh the forward. Oh. My bad. Heather the, did the forward.
3: He, with a forward by Heather. Yep. Everyone needs a forward written by Heather.
0: There we go. So, uh, my bad. Uh, so hope you enjoy this conversation and, uh, and you can find Pussypedia wherever you find books. And, um, thanks for joining us. Uh, we hope you enjoy this conversation and, uh, we'll see you all on the other side. And we are off. Pussypedia. Let's do it. Let's do it. Um, uh, we got a copy of your book.
3: There. Babe, it's not a book. It's a comprehensive guide.
0: Oh. Oh. oh well, thank I, I you. Mean,
3: I mean, because we talk to a lot of writers, and we, have, we, we talk mm. about a lot of books. Yeah. But I think a, a comprehensive guide, I mean, <clears throat> I think pedia, putting pedia in the title probably spells that out for folks, but... It's nice to hold a pedia in my hand again and not just be yeah, Googling it, the wiki.
0: Yeah. It most certainly does look like a comprehensive guide. It is very thick and very it's pretty nice
3: and, and very
4: pink.
0: Yeah. It's,
1: yeah. And the final version is hard too. It's thick and pink and hard.
0: all right
3: honestly i can't stop touching it (laughs) it must be is it kind of surreal for you is this your first uh is this your first publication of of this kind oh yeah it's (laughs) it's, yeah i like want to take the
1: book to bed with me at night like i just want to like take it everywhere i go we went out to celebrate on uh saturday and like, we both admitted to each other that we almost brought the book with us because we just like, <laughs> like, and we like missed it. Like, it's just like I keep looking over at it and That's
0: being, so like, funny. I wrote that. Zoe, give give our listeners uh, a bit of a rundown on what Pussypedia is and what it's all about.
1: So, Pussypedia is an encyclopedia of the pussy, and it is an inclusive project, as inclusive as we could make it for my you know limited capabilities and perspectives um, it is a bilingual website uh, and it is a book that's right now in english but will come out in spanish uh, in about a year and also ukrainian russian and italian which i'm very excited about oh. um, is a project that aims to both inform and to fight shame um, it is it is supposed to be fun i hope
3: it's fun i think it's fun um, it, the table of contents alone is fun yeah <laughs> i just like i'm like part 1 anus ass crack and rectum i'm like okay let's jump right in <laughs> i just, i mean i
1: wanted to start with anus no matter what because um it's well I mean, I liked that. I wanted it to be somewhat alphabetical because it's an encyclopedia um, and it's not so encyclopedic. I mean, it does have a lot of information in that way it is, but um, it's also the book is so full of like personal anecdotes and personal essay. And so I wanted to give it the form of an encyclopedia as much as possible, Mm. which is also why it's like a big hardcover book with like, uh, you know, the sort of restyled it after like the sixties of children's encyclopedias, but also just because like anus is funny, like the book hack is funny and um buttholes are funny. So I wanted to start it with that because I want to get off on that foot with the reader. Like it's yeah, it's fun. Let's talk about it. Let's talk so much about the anus that we get bored of it. Like let's like mm. you know what I mean? <laughs> like, <let's... laughs>
0: me on podcast'll we'll be back after this short break And it, it does seem like, like it just going through the table of contents, like it, it does seem like you are trying to cover literally every base possible when it comes to the pussy and like and I everything going on like
1: really important. Yeah. I forgot something. Do you know what it is?
3: In uh, the book or just
1: is there anything that like seemed like a glaring hole to you guys from the book? no (laughs) there's nothing on queefing. oh Oh.
0: yeah because you've got i mean you've got like the like peeing and the urinary tract like you've got
1: it's chills
0: yeah like everything you've got everything but how did so how wait hold on how did you miss queefing
1: i don't know i it just like went over your head yeah it occurred to me like Two weeks ago, and I was like, "Oh
3: my
0: god!" Second edition. You got to put it the second, second edition, edition just for those yeah. just for those queefs.
1: And uh, also,
3: it's like the only cue. It's the only Q word, yeah, really. I know. I know. Right, it's right. yes.
1: that's,
3: that's really funny. funny. <laughs> I would blame your editor personally. <laughs>
0: yeah, yeah. <laughs> so what, um, Zoe? I, like, I got to know, like, what this is the first. Um, this is your first publication. Um, what? Like how did you how did you end up here? What was the what was the catalyst to 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 finding yourself in a place where you and, and your your partner are writing a giant book to you know to tear down shame surrounding the pussy to educate and to bring awareness and to cultivate conversation? Like what was the what's the origin story here?
1: Um well I was arguing with my ex-boyfriend about um whether or not all women can squirt like it was kind of this ongoing argument because i couldn't squirt and he was like you can and i was like stop obsessing about it like maybe my body just doesn't do that it's like all women's bodies can do that and i was he was an asshole so i googled it and I'm a journalist so I sort of have like a process of evaluating the information that I find right is this good quality information can I verify this and everything that came up was terrible like horrible was it there's no real information here so I started reading some like medical journal articles and I didn't understand shit I was like oh my god Mm. what is this so I had to Oh, thank you I had to look up like everything in those articles to understand them and then like look up the words in those definitions too mm. and it was so hard and I I was like it it not be this hard to learn about our bodies this is so messed up this is so incredibly messed up and
0: Right. Like where's and the middle ground?
1: Only, yeah. yeah. And and I, and considering that I yeah. have been like privileged to have more of an education, you know, than, than a lot of people, I was like, if it's this hard for me, like this is a really bad state of things. Ooh. And um, you know, there are, <laughs> well, anyway, so I started learning things too. And the other part of it was that I couldn't understand like, spatially how the parts were related um because to understand squirting you have to understand like the urethra vagina and bladder like spatial relationship Hmm. and uh, i was looking at 2d images and trying to get it and i was like what (laughs) what the fuck
0: am i looking at yeah
1: yeah i really wanted to see a 3d model and i couldn't find one and i so i wanted to like put a 3d model online for free. That was sort of how it started. But then also like the things I was learning that night, I stayed up all night learning about like pleasure anatomy. And just what I learned was like really shocking to me and um, and validating. Mm. And so I wanted to do something because all of my work before that had, had been like very different, but most of it's about helping explain complicated things in clear language and making complex things accessible so I thought well I could do that about pussies and so I called Maria Maria and I had wanted to collaborate for a very long time like we'd gotten stoned and thought up a ton of really extremely stupid ideas and (laughs) I was like oh we have to do this project about pussies and she was like Cool, and um, I went to her house and we made a proposal. And, oh my god, my body, like my whole body, felt that it was like a big, important thing that we were going to actually mm. do, and and I was just like shaking. Like I, I, just felt so deeply. Like I need to do this. I'm going to do this. Um, and Maria's the perfect person for me to do it with because. Um, her work got, gets so deeply at the reasons I had for wanting to do the project. Mm. Um, and it's, it's very emotional. It's like much more about like having an emotional well being, which I think that you need information or that like the, you don't need the information to have, but that the information can help you have like, so right. much.
0: Right. Um, <laughs> how, how, like how. You know, speaking of that process of like of trying to get to the bottom of squirting, um, actually, before I ask this question, did, what did you find? What did you figure out? Did you figure it? Did you? Did you well,
1: it's an unanswerable question. It is. OK,
0: that's okay. that's what I thought. It's,
1: re, it's very hard to prove the negative cases. It's very hard to prove that somebody cannot squirt.
0: Got you. OK,
1: but based on um, um anecdotal evidence. Which comes from a few people I know who have gone to squirt shops, which are like workshops where like <laughs> women are teaching people how to make themselves yeah, right. squirt. Yeah. Supposedly, everyone squirts in these squirt shops. Oh,
0: interesting. Okay. I believe that. It. Maybe it's like a syncing up type thing. You know, it's like if you're just, if you're around, or like if you go to see a comedy in the movie theater, you're laughing with everyone else. But when you watch a comedy by yourself at home, you're like, you're like, <laughs>
1: I like the <laughs> idea. Well, supposedly, like I just read this morning that, like after somebody ran a five minute mile, a lot more people um, right. started to to do that. That there's right, something right. about like maybe yeah. So maybe you see all these people around you who didn't think they could squirt start squirting like yours. Yeah, yeah,
0: yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's it yeah. It's contagious. Um. Uh. So so my question uh, that I'm I'm curious about is you know that moment of of you and your your ex having that argument leading to you trying to find out definitively can all women squirt and you've got you know you've got the the two the two sides of the internet one which is just like pure trash shit to sift through and it's like kind of gross and disgusting and then the other side is like like these medical journals that are full of jargon that is so goddamn hard to uh, like decipher and, and, and understand a, a single word that you're reading. And so, this wonderful idea comes from that to like create something that's accessible, that gives people a middle ground to like find and educate themselves on all these things that would potentially lead them down one of those two difficult roads. In the work that, that it took to put Pussypedia together how what was that process like in terms of like um, in terms of taking a lot of the stuff from because again it it is very like anatomically focused like you're you're talking it seems like you're going into like very specific ways and functions of the female anatomy or or the the anatomy of people with pussies or vaginas um and so like was it a challenge to to kind of for lack of a better word, like dumb down that potentially very complex, um, language well, that's around that
1: understanding the stuff. It's easier for me to like make it into accessible language and explain it in simple ways. Like, I think that's what I'm best at doing. Like that's, right. that's just like something that happens to be easy for me. But the, the very, very hard part was like reading all these, um, like medical textbooks and and studies and trying to understand the stuff in the first place. Like once you've done that work and you actually understand it, it's much easier to explain, but I don't have any science background. So it it was really a fight for me. Uh, And, but I felt like kind of like really motivated during it because the more, the more you read, the more you see how much is not understood, and, like, there's just these, like, really blatant things all over the literature that are just, like, well, it's not clear if it's this or this, or, you know, there's really, like, contradictory information in the literature, and so I felt, like, very compelled, because, like, all of that, like, scarcity is, like, a, like, political phenomenon, and is is, like, really messed up, and, like,
4: yeah that, that yeah' kept it's,
1: me going it, like I felt like a detective you know? yeah
0: yeah we, there's something in my other podcast, something that we've talked a lot about is like the amount of misogyny that exists within medical research and and science, and it's come up on this show too a few times, but like that's the reason why you know there's so little answers to like things like female pleasure. It's just like it just hasn't been focused on, it hasn't been looked at um uh, but coming yeah, back, I
1: just was talking to. Um a friend last night who was telling me that she had been having drinks the night before with this woman who researches how like radiation on the cervix affects female pleasure. And she just got this this huge um not a fellowship, what's it called when you get a huge like academic grant. And yeah, maybe fellowship, right? And um her work's getting turned down from journals because they don't consider female pleasure to be Medically relevant.
0: Yeah, yeah, it it's so bizarre to me. Like we're still living in this fucked up time. I, I, yeah, it, it's it's it it doesn't it it it's hard to wrap my head around, I guess because we live in a bit of an echo chamber here on Termion, mm. but like it's it's just it, it's so bizarre.
3: I have a question about this because I I know that like anytime I get <clears throat> into a debate with anyone, let's say I have an ex-boyfriend who wants to debate me on squirting. I
0: You can say me, Bridie. I mean, I'm, I I know I'm right <laughs> here, but like you can say that we debate.
3: No, 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 no. But but anecdotal evidence is so it it's I don't know like how everybody feels about it, but I I mean, I think it's really important, especially when it comes to um sexuality and because there's been so little like scientific um, work done on it. And I'm wondering, you know, as a journalist, how do you feel about using anecdotal evidence to prove a point? And like, how do you, how do you stand confidently in that?
1: It's a super, super good question. So I think there's this like very delicate balance that needs to be taken where We cannot totally disregard anecdotal evidence because a lot of times when we do that, what we're doing is not listening to people. And on the other hand, you can't trust anecdotal evidence as Mm. scientific evidence for something. So there's like a lot of cases where this becomes an interesting and important balance to strike. I can think of many, one of them is like um, birth control side effects. So hormonal birth control side effects. How many people do you know who have told you that they had a terrible experience with hormonal birth control Mm
0: -hmm.
1: more than five, probably. Right. Mm -hmm. Okay. So, and I did too, but the the research does not like consistently Mm -hmm. like huge controlled, like studies do not show that these side effects, they just keep coming up empty handed. So I get into it in the book of like, well, what is this phenomenon? Why is this happening? Um, and it's one of the cases where I think um, the anecdotal evidence it is so overwhelming that we really need to question how we're doing science and how we've been doing the science is we're looking for depression. Like, we're, like a lot of these studies are coming up empty handed when they look for actual like clinical depression as a side effect. But there's a really amazing review of studies from, I think, a year ago, two years ago now, that's looked at all of these, like, smaller side effects. And so, like, the conclusion I came to is that I suspect the problem is that we're looking for depression instead of looking for, like, a composite of all of these smaller side effects that just, like, compound to make you feel weird and bad. Mm. And um, another problem that this review of studies found is that we're not dividing up kinds of birth controls or doses of birth control when we look for these side effects. So that's like, why would we ever not do that? I mean, that's bad science. That's bad methodology to lump these things together because it's imprecise. Um, And perhaps some kinds of birth control do and others don't cause depression or, you know, all these other side effects. Um, So you know, I think it's it's just super important, and and like the history of not listening to women mm-hmm. in the medical setting, right? So that's what we need to to undo when we when we decide we do want to listen to anecdotal evidence. But then, then there's other things too, like a lot of people have um, experiences that are just not uh, representative of of a general phenomenon, and so mm-hmm. we that's. A huge thing and and also like the thing with birth control a big part of it might be that you hear all these stories and then you have confirmation bias because you're like oh i'm feeling bad it must be because of my birth control because so and so had about you know and that's that could be a huge part of the phenomena, but that's i mean the other part's not true as well mm. so and with anecdotal evidence we can't disregard what people are saying and invalidate their own experiences of their own bodies and we often um can make our science better by by questioning it um but we also can't lean on it and totally buy into it we need to be equally skeptical of both things yes
4: yeah
3: what occurs to me when you say that too is that when we're not being heard sometimes the symptoms get louder and louder as like a please like please believe me or our own need to like prove that it's actually happening because no one else is validating it
1: when you had bad um side effects from your birth control did you talk to your doctor
3: about it no because I was I was uh I I think I just went and switched I just went and I was like I don't think this is working for me um I would I think it's affecting my mood and Mm -hmm. I wanted to try something non-hormonal and they just Mm -hmm. they just allowed me to try it um yeah um Luckily, I, you know, I think for, for a long time in my, my early twenties, my healthcare provider were people at the sexual health clinic, you know, Mm -hmm. specifically, um, which is a great resource if, if folks have them nearby. Um, yeah, this is like so comprehensive and I haven't made it all the way through, but one Mm -hmm. thing that caught my eye because I had just been listening to a podcast called science versus And then the episode title is what it's about. And it's about the G-spot. And Mm -hmm. I didn't get to the end of that podcast either. But where it was leaning heavily towards is that there was no evidence of a spot. And I see it in your book. And I want to hear what your thoughts are on the G-spot.
1: Yeah. I. This is a really frustrating thing to me. And I understand why so many people are getting it wrong because it took me like a month of reading to like figure out, (laughs) suss out what was really going on. But here's the thing. The reason it's so confusing, I think, to journalists who want to cover the issue is that there was a bunch of studies that never should have happened. Mm -hmm. They were ridiculous wastes of money and it is astounding that they got funded. But the studies that I'm talking about went to go search for the G-spot in the vagina. They went to go search for some organ or discrete entity. They went to go search for some grouping of cells that was different. And they all kept coming back saying, well, there's nothing there. The reason this is infuriating is because nobody ever, ever said that there was something in the vagina that was the G-spot. No one ever said that. The original text, if they had just gone back and read the original text in which Dr. Ernst Grafenberg, who is such an interesting figure, like, go research him. But the reason that what he described, he describes in its entirety, he gives the whole explanation, and it's the urethra. It's that there's erectile tissue around the urethra, just like in a penis called corpus spongiosum and it just like in a penis it's pleasure producing tissue Mm. and although in almost every single drawing you see of the inside of the pussy you see the vagina and then you see the, the urethra as if it's like parallel structure it's actually embedded in the front wall of the vagina one side of the urethra is attached to the to the vagina so um the erectile tissue around it and the two bulbs of the clitoris that are going around the top of it Mm. they're all smooshed together and they share nerves and blood vessels so what's happening is that when the front wall of the vagina is stimulated it stimulates the erectile tissue around the urethra as well as the whole clitoris it's all one pleasure-producing system mm. so the, the g-spot definitely exists it's more sensitive for some people than others um and it's and, like
3: the intersection of all of those nerve endings right. and all of those those parts that you're it's you're like speaking. okay
1: here's a it's it's here's a, a similar like a something you can compare it to it's like if they like Okay, so anal sex for men is pleasure-producing because the prostate is stimulated, but that doesn't mean there's a prostate in the rectum. The mm-hmm. prostate's not in the rectum; it's poking it, mm-hmm. right? It's like stimulating it through the wall. It's just the same, right? It's just like you're poking something that produces pleasure,
0: right? Right. Whereas the G spot, it's this thought that, or it's this misconceived notion that there is this little button button inside the vagina that like you press that button at the right rate and the right, (laughs) at the right rhythm. It's like, ding dong. And you got, you, you get a surprise. You get, you get, you get a squirt shop all over you. Um,
1: (laughs) And and actually it is also um, the prostate. There's glands inside of that erectile tissue called the periurethral glands and they produce ejaculate. Mm. So not squirt liquid, but ejaculate like when there's just a little bit of like milky liquid. Like mm. it's usually not a lot that comes from the periurethral glands, mm. which are also called the Skene's glands. But we like periurethral better because why call it after you know these guys? They discover these things and they want to pee on them.
0: Is there like in in doing the research for the book? Was there anything that you came across? that really blew your mind like wide open or that really surprised you?
1: Yeah. Just like how much information there is not. Yeah. (laughs) that's Over and over. I mean, they don't know if that ejaculate that the periurethral glands make come out of the urethra or if they come out of little holes next to the urethra.
0: Right. And it's like, how do we not know that yet?
1: You, could you, somebody get a, magnifying glass and have somebody figure this shit out
0: yeah and watch
1: them or something yeah this cannot be that expensive to find out but the fact that nobody has funded it because we don't consider it important enough is just utterly patriarchal political bullshit
0: it is i mean it honestly it is so fucking fascinating that we don't know that like we know so much about the human body but we can't we we can't take the time or or get the funding to figure out how that part of the body works. Like it, it really just it really does boggle my mind. It's it's hard to it's really hard to comprehend, and it's it's frustrating. It's like, what the fuck are we doing here? What's the what's the what's the point of this? You know, like I I, I understand like not understanding. Not fully understanding like how Well, I mean, I'm talking to my ass out of my ass here, but like not fully understanding how certain parts of the brain work or like certain parts of the brain fire. But like, I don't know, I feel like when it comes to genital health and, and like the anatomy of our genitals, that seems like that should have been figured out fucking eons ago.
1: Yeah, I mean, we can't even decide where the urethra is. Nobody cares enough. I mean, the study okay. that it was it's from 1998 that that Helen O'Connell, who described the internal structure of the clitoris, was like, by the way, the urethra is like literally on the vagina. And like, mm. here we are, how many years later? And like, nobody's bothered to correct this. <laughs> <laughs> <And> like,
3: <laughs> um- Yeah. The Sorry, ahead anatomy ahead. photos when you see them in sex ed or uh, whatever, it's completely isolated. The system is totally isolated. You got the ovaries, the fallopian tubes, the uh, uterus, the, 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 the clitoris the cervix, just disappeared. There's no there's no clitoris. There's mm-hmm. certainly Never. no urethra. There's there's <laughs> none of that. It doesn't show any of it. So oh. you just kind of like walk around with these cartoon images of your insides mm. totally. and not understanding how they integrate with everything. Exactly. It's time. It's time to change.
0: Can you, uh, speaking of change, can you kind of walk us through um, a new definition of pussy?
1: Mm -hmm. Yeah, it's it's all about variety. It's exactly what you're saying. It's just like, can we think about this as an integrated system? Like, you know, what if we had no word for leg? You know, it's just like foot, shin, calf, knee, thigh. Like, it's a leg. It's like a thing that works together to help Mm. you walk. Like all of these muscles and bones and joints, they all work as a system so that you can walk. And in a very similar way, the pussy, it it all works together. Mm. I mean, these parts are not isolated. They have so much shared function. And the other part of the the new definition of pussy is that we wanted to include possible testes in it because some people have testes and- um. Yeah, we wanted to include all of these parts. Like, okay, you have the word vagina, and like that actually only means like the vaginal canal. My whole no thing, like, and and I'm all for like language evolves. Like, mm-hmm. I don't ever use the word whom. It drives my grandma insane. But I'm like, grandma, nobody says whom anymore. <laughs>
4: like, I have never
1: heard that.
3: What does that mean?
0: Whom? whom? Yes, you have. Whom? Like, yeah, who?
3: Sh- oh, like with an M at the end. I yeah, was yeah. like. Is this some different word for pussy that I've never heard before?
0: <laughs> stick it, <laughs> so stick it in said, your like, home, Bridie.
1: I agree <laughs> with like language evolving. Like I'm not like an elitist. Like that's not correct, you know. But like I don't. If we're gonna have like a, a word that means the whole thing, like I don't want it to be vagina because vagina means like sword holder, and I'm like, ew, like fuck that, like just fuck defining our whole like pleasure center by like what it does in relation to penises like no it holds other things it can hold so many things it can hold so many things and do so many things and it's an amazing thing and it's not an object of service and you know, it's not a passive receptacle. And so I don't want to, I don't want to call it the vagina. And like people are like, Oh no, like stay vulva. And it's like, well, if you say vulva, like you're not including like all of stuff inside. So we just really needed a word. And, um, I just like the word pussy because, because it's a bad word. I, lo- I <laughs> love
0: Bridie and I have had this conversation a number of times. I love the word pussy.
3: Me too. Bridie.
0: Do you, I, I'm throwing it under the bus here. You don't.
3: I don't love it. In like, I don't love. It doesn't turn me on as like a, like yeah, put it in my pussy or like a it dirty doesn't. talk. Like for but I dirty love here. But I love it. I love it in general. The other day, I heard like a a seventy two year old woman um, use it. And I was like, was oh, yeah. so she was telling me a story about when she was, um, uh, a younger woman oh. and, uh, she was in a situation with a very inebriated fellow who had, who had grabbed her ankle as she was walking by, he was like kind of passed out on the floor and was moving his hand up her inner leg towards her pussy. And I was like, <laughs> Whoa, i know i mean that's that <laughs> moment sucks obviously yeah. but but to hear her use that say word. it, yeah i was like fuck yeah you go
1: yeah um, i think part of like why i wanted to use it i mean i say like oh it's fun because it's a bad word but i'm serious like it, it shocks people yeah you know it, it has it still has power to shock people and i think that like i don't know if we could like Have any objective measure of like how bad a bad word is, but I think like fuck is a worse word than pussy, but pussy is way more shocking to people than the word fuck because it means vagina.
0: Yeah, Mm. yeah.
1: That's why. That's why it has that power to make people uncomfortable because it carries the whole taboo of like the the whole (laughs) thing, Mm. you know. So I like that. Like, it's shocking to people because i have to think about for a second. Like, I hope it makes people reflect a little bit on like why this word is so shocking and
0: powerful. Mm. It's also a word that feels good to say. Like it's what like I I and I know that's subjective, but like I it just feels so nice to say it.
3: Yeah, you smile. When you yeah, say
0: pussy. It. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. yeah, yeah. I
3: can't not think about pussy cats. Like I'm like, where did those two words start to? Like where did when did pussy start to happen, and were we already using? Right pussy as an innuendo right. you know yeah, when we were talking about it was like a really 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 long time ago like mm. i forgot but like
1: centuries ago like something like i don't remember exactly but i'm pretty sure
3: is it any relation to pussycat like yeah yeah, yeah, yeah. okay it, all right yeah. great because i love hearing it used as an innuendo with that like with that connotation right i right. find that really charming and sweet <laughs> um I'm curious to know, like Jeremy asked if, if anything surprised you, um, I'm wondering if you have any favorite information that you found that is like affecting your life personally. Mm. (coughs) Um, one piece
1: of information that is not something I found during the writing of this book, but, but before that, but that really changed my life is like, do not wash soap, don't Mm. soap your shit. Mm. I mean, in the outside, yes, but not between your legs. Yeah, like do not soap in there. It really changed my life when I stopped soaping in the crack.
3: Um, Why don't they tell us that? Why don't they tell us that right off the bat? I know. So so many prescriptions later.
1: Yeah, the amount of yeast infections I had before i learned that i mean it's like true misery and having mm. a yeast infection is at least for me extraordinarily physically uncomfortable and the sheer amount of time i spent in the physical discomfort because i was trying to be clean
4: <laughs> like, mm.
1: that's mm. so fucked up and like when i would get a yeast infection i would wash it more mm. and it would get worse and i couldn't understand why and the anxiety and the shame that came with that and like Oh my god, the amount of suffering. Like just yeah, don't soap your shit. That's my that's my favorite um piece of pussy information.
3: It boggles um, my mind. My, I, I saw my my um not to throw her under the bus, but I saw my 19 year old niece um like buying particular like soaps that are supposed your soaps that are marketed like for your pussy. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. And I was like, really? Still still is this happening? Cause like UTIs, yeast infections, bacterial vaginosis—like yeah. all of these things that that you kind of have suffer through on your own—and and like the women, the older women in my life, you know, just being like, "Well, that's part of having a vagina, and that's it. That's it." Um, that it seems so. You know, you realize how much we are still in the dark ages when yeah. when it, you look at just a generation ago and what yeah. they're what they're willing to what information they have and are willing to share Mm It's like we've definitely got this knowledge was once known and then lost and we're finding it again. Mm
0: -hmm. So Zoe, uh, Pussypedia, uh, it's coming out August 3rd. Where can people, uh, where can people get their hands on it when it's out? Uh, how can people follow you and, and what you're continuing to get up to in your life and what's next?
1: Um, I don't know in Canada (laughs) we can't find you in Canada (laughs) I don't know (laughs) I don't know well like I think you can get it off the U.S. version of Amazon but I don't want to tell people to buy off Amazon yeah right
0: right. and I don't
1: know like is like IndieBound a thing in Canada is like bookshop.org a thing in Canada I don't know
3: if, if it's .org, it sounds like it's probably... Well, what did we, you... could, we can get to the bottom of this. Too. You have to go
1: to your local yeah. bookstore and ask them to order it for That's you. That's the
0: fucking jam. That's it right there. Go to your local bookstore and demand that they bring Pussypedia in and put it in their storefront window.
1: Yes, and tell them if they're, they're not carrying the book.
0: Yeah, then, then, they, then they ain't it. shit.
3: Request it
4: but from your nice libraries.
3: Nice <laughs> yeah. You know, I don't know if people know this, but you can also call your libraries up and say, I'd like to have this book brought in and they can do they can do those kinds of things. And a lot of times they're really willing to because they they're they're that they are the they are the encyclopedia for.
0: If you got 10 friends to call the library and ask for the same book, the library goes, "Nope, 10 people want it. We got to bring it in. Mm -hmm. And then that's it.
3: So Um, go ahead and do that. And uh, it's be a service to your community. Yeah. Well. And then
1: in terms of following my work, it's, um, my, my Instagram is Youngzo though, because I, but the, it's like, like, I don't want to like dispel it and stuff. I don't know. Oh, we'll put use... it in the show notes for them. <laughs>
3: okay. Yeah. <laughs> are you, uh, are you working on something, something else like part two or, or a new book? Mm.
1: I just want to go make some money now. I want to have a baby someday so I can't keep being a martyr, activist, (laughs) idiot. (laughs) I have to join capitalism now. And and
3: yeah. We all got to do it. We got to participate.
0: At one point, writing
1: about pussies is not a very good endeavor. (laughs) Hey, but you
0: know what? Maybe writing about queefing is. And (laughs) And there's only one way to find out
1: maybe i'll write a whole book about yeah
0: (laughs) well zoe this has been really fun thanks for uh waking up nice and early all the way down to mexico city to take time to sit down and shoot the shit with us this has been it was
1: lovely it was really nice to meet you guys if you ever come down to mexico
2: city please write me
0: definitely yeah for sure All right, there you go, folks. I uh, hope you enjoyed that. That was our conversation with Zoe, all about Pussypedia. Indeed. Um, thanks for tuning in this week. Uh, we we really appreciate all of the support. If you're listening on Apple Podcasts, leave a rating or review. Hit follow on the Spotify app, um, and otherwise, if you want to support the podcast even further, Patreon.com/slash Turn Me On.
3: That is correct, and. I promised an announcement last week of the next date for our um, hu- or for my Human Connection Through Touch nice. workshop. If you weren't at the last one or you didn't hear anything about the last one, um, you should know that it is a workshop. We'll do it a little shorter this time, probably 90 minutes, so an hour and a half or maybe even 75 of partner work. And what I mean by partner work is anyone who you feel comfortable giving and receiving um, touch to, not in a sexual way this could be your mom or your sibling or your bud who you have an intimate but non-sexual relationship with you can also have an intimate and sexual relationship <laughs> with whoever you choose to attend to and uh, attend with and it's it's really just like an hour or a little more spent on some with some hands-on connection meant to enhance our sense of mm-hmm. well-being and that date, my friends, save the date, my friends, will be November 14th. That's a Sunday, November 14th. Save the date. And um, uh, by next week, I'll remind you and let you know how you can book your spot. Patrons who supported us over the summer, you'll get a Patreon special code so you can receive this workshop for free. And I can't wait to do it again, again, wait to have you all there.
0: It's going to be so fun. Uh, That is it for this week, folks. Until next week. Go touch yourself.